0: with Slim. This is a Super Bowl preview show, I guess, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. Come on, Bruins fans. Come on, Bruins fans. Are you in the right place or what? I've been talking Bruins for the last two months here on WKXL Radio, the sports machine with Slim, New Hampshire's next generation sports talk radio show. Why are we next generation? What gives me the right to say that? Why am I so confident? Well, one, I'm very confident in myself. And I've told you people, the Bruins are something special. Yeah, we lost to Calgary. I told you we weren't going to play well against Calgary the first game back out of the break. And I told you yesterday when I was on the air... I expect the Bruins to win. We're going to bounce back. Why? Because we're good. There's something special about this team, and there's something special about our Sports Talk callers. We have the best callers in the country when you're talking Sports Talk radio. This is not a claim. This is a fact. And in studio today, we have one of those incredible Sports Talk callers, and that person is The Pistol. Do you have an opening plan, Pistol? I know you like to make a big entrance.
1: Slim, if you're going to be throwing in-studio shade at me all morning, I'm going to slice that shade like Stevie Wonder with a lightsaber. Let's go. I think this is a sports machine with the Slim Pistol today.
0: There we go. Well, guess what, Pistol? We also have another incredible sports talk caller. He was in studio yesterday. Thomas, my man, are you on the radio this morning with us?
2: Now I'm here. Thank I'm ready goodness. to
0: go. I feel so, so comforted now by the fact that you are on the line in the studio. Me and the pistol are here uh, celebrating the Bruins win from last night. How awesome is it to be rooting for a team that goes out and just, can I say the word, curb stomps the team that's supposed to be the best team in the league, the Vancouver Canucks?
2: I think we're really close. I mean, obviously, they are the best team right now as far as the points go and stuff, but the Brews are right there with them. So it'll it's be a fun final to see East against West uh, come April, or June at that point.
1: Slim, I wouldn't call it curb stomped. I'd call it pistol whipped. <laughs>
0: there we go. The Very appropriate for today. Thomas, did you watch the the whole game? I will say I kind of tuned out. During the third period, just because we're up 4 nothing. Uh But, uh, you know, and I was in and out a little bit in the first period because I was putting the kids to bed. Did you get to watch the whole game or no?
2: I didn't watch it live, but I watched it afterwards. I just had some uh, practice with my kids and then played some old man hockey as well. So I had to, you know, make up for it afterwards. But yeah, it was a great game. I mean, they came out, they did everything they had to do to. Uh, not lose two in a row, and obviously when you start the first period and you get two shorthanded goals, it lifts your team up.
0: I heard it was the third um, least amount of time into a game where a team scored a shorthanded goal. Brad Marchand opened up the scoring for us shorthanded about a minute into the game on a sweet pass by Charlie Coyle, and I continue to say... Charlie Coyle is a wizard. Like, this guy, I don't know if people around the country or around Canada, too, know how good he is, but if you watch these two assists he had on the first goal and the second goal, he, he this man, Charlie Coyle, is top-of-the-league-type talent, Thomas.
2: Well, I mean, we, we knew once uh, Bergeron and Critchie retired that he was kind of the next guy in line to step up and fulfill that role, and I mean, he's done a terrific job so far.
0: You tell me, in the replay of that game that you watched, this was the most physical game I thought the Bruins had played all year.
2: No, it was a physical game overall, and Vancouver came out hard too, so it was a fun game to watch.
0: I said earlier to myself as I was watching the first period, I went, well, wait a minute, You know, there's some hits happening here and there, but we don't have the big hits anymore. Pistol, when you watch hockey, what's the most entertaining part for you? For me, thinking back through the years, it's always been like, when Milan Lucic was coming down who's was going to nail somebody, or our big guys were just going to go and, and crush somebody in the corners, I don't see that happening much anymore. But for, when you watch hockey, I don't know how much of a fan you are.
1: Yeah, well, I'm certainly more of a basketball fan than a hockey fan, but I I do love the hits. The hits are great to watch. But in hockey, I I really like when when a team is all on one page and the passing is really good. So you're getting like nice shots on goal, nice like assists, like like you were talking about yesterday. That's the kind of stuff I love to see. Is like the teamwork, the team putting things together, uh, and then you know hopefully the hits hits happen in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, exactly, Thomas. The playoffs last year, I watched the Las Vegas Knights, and I'm like, they were bigger than everybody, it seemed like they were more physical. The Bruins last night, I thought, amped up the physicality with the checks, but overall, I don't see guys loading up, like going in as the puck's going into the corner, and you as a, a, you know, a forward coming in to challenge that defenseman to try and put a hit on them. I don't see loading up for big hits in the corners anymore, Thomas. It's not a penalty to go in and just totally Nail somebody, right? But it's not my imagination. Why is there less hitting going on overall across the league?
2: Well, I think with the rule changes, number one, you know, they're a little harder on certain aspects of it. If you look at videos from, you know, a decade ago or two, like they got away with a lot more stuff, number one. And number two, all the defensemen are so much more mobile than they used to be. That's like a fact out there, right? And it's hard for the forwards when the D are that good on their feet, they're trying to escape those moves. I think that's why the reason we don't see as many of those big ones. But, you know, there's still quite a few left. It's and you
0: know, The faster guys, the, the forwards, Thomas. The faster guys, they're probably a little bit smaller too, right? So when they're on the forecheck, they're going in and you can't expect them to want to try and throw a big shoulder into a defenseman who probably weighs 20, 40 pounds more than them.
2: Well, I think a big thing is for today's forwards too, right? They're trying to score a goal. You don't get any extra points for hitting people. <laughs> I mean, you do want to do it, but if you have a chance to go play the puck and strip them from them, create a turnover and get a chance, I mean, that's what you want to do. You get more points
0: in my book if you try to nail somebody and you do it uh, successfully.
2: Yeah, but not on the scoreboard, you don't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They don't care about Slim's scoreboard? Is that what you're telling me? Pistol, do you think the NHL players across the league should be caring about being
1: in my sports, uh, my uh, scoreboard? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure Tatum's definitely watching uh, your countdown (laughs) clock right now. Just Uh, roll back to the NBA. (laughs) So I do have a question for you, Thomas, uh, with respect to, you know, uh, kind of comparing NBA and hockey. NBA is also a lot of physicality goes away in the regular season. A lot of three-pointers point pointers are taken, that kind of stuff. But in the playoffs, it changes, right? It gets a little more serious, a lot more physical. Do you think the Bruins are going to be able to hold up in the playoffs? Are they going to be tough enough to take that physicality? And who is I going think, to do it for them?
2: I think so. And I think it has to be all of them. It can't be just one guy. right? right. You go to the playoffs, you mentioned the Vegas Golden Knights. They do have a big team. They, they are strong. They play very physical. And for our forwards to score some goals in the playoffs, they're going to have to go to those dirty areas. But I think Marshand's going to lead the way and they're all going to follow along.
0: That's what he did last night, Thomas. I'm looking in my notebook right here. And I, I put early in the game, a Marchand got in somebody's face, a geeky, got in somebody's face after Lindholm got in somebody's face it really was a combined team effort and on a defensive side of things I don't know if I'm okay to do this because I'm not a true hockey fan and hockey guy but is it a poke check or the stick check it just seemed to me the Bruins all night were able to like get their stick in and just poke it away from those fast dudes on Vancouver
2: yeah I mean if, if you have a good stick in hockey coach talk about it all the time right you're taking time and space away from their good forwards making awesome plays. If you lay off of them and you don't put your stick in front of their puck, uh, you know the good players are going to make good plays. So they did do a good job yesterday on it, and then uh, didn't give them too many great chances. where they were able to, you know, keep them off the scoreboard altogether.
0: Vancouver is a much faster team than the Bruins. Am I incorrect saying that when I watched in the first period, I went, "Oh no, Vancouver just looks way faster than us."
2: No, they're fast. I wouldn't say they're way faster, but they do have some great team speed there. But uh, like you guys mentioned before, too, once the playoffs happen, you know, all the energy and all the speed for both teams and the physicality increases, and it will be interesting to see if Vancouver has what it takes to, you know, come out of the West and do well over there.
0: It's stacked over there. So as we finish things up, Thomas, my last thing: if you saw the end of the game, there was a guy Zadorov. A big dude on Vancouver, who I think really took a cheap shot on Steen from the Bruins here after the whistle had blown. He kind of cross-checked him. I don't know what it was. Steen was just standing there, and this dude just nailed him in the chest, and Steen goes flying to the ground. There was a minute and change left. You're down 4-0. Vancouver cheap shots our guy. Why wasn't there a fight after that? I
2: mean, that's one of those things, right? In the last minute of the game, you do have a four goal. Disadvantage to your team. There was definitely some frustration there. Most likely with the whole fighting thing. If the angel has a rule. There's a fight within the last five minutes. You know, preventing that kind of stop retaliation. The coach gets fined, and so does the player. No. So that's probably one of the reasons why it didn't happen. Well, this is why I love to
0: have you on the show. Thank you very much, Thomas Poke, your local licensed health insurance and Medicare broker. Love this guy. He's bringing knowledge I didn't know. You get. Find or whatever it is, pe- fighting unless last. What a joke that is! I don't know what person made that rule. I'm here to turn things around. This is the Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. NHTalkRadio.com. Let's talk some football when we come back. With Slim. Let's transition back from commercial here on a Friday edition. WKXL Radio. And as we were in the commercial break there, me and the pistol were having some back and forth that I wanted to share with you people. Just listening to Thomas tell us that I guess, you know, fighting is essentially being somewhat outlawed or whatever in the last five minutes of the game. And I had no idea. That that was the case. That because for me, it's like no. That's I want to watch this. I mean, that's that's an interesting, fun part of the game. But apparently, the NHL doesn't want to be branded that way. And the pistol had some comments on top of that. Like it seems like teams are in, are getting soft out there leagues are getting soft what's the deal
1: yeah you'd start watching all these professional leagues one of the disappointing things is not seeing the physicality out there right when you have NBA teams taking 53s a game there's nothing more boring than watching a guy dribble up and then fire up a three I can go to a men's league and go watch that uh, so it's happening in basketball, Happen, happened definitely in football, right? Look at all the air yards we have now compared to like the ground and pound that we used to have. And uh, I didn't know that it was happening in hockey, but obviously, based on Thomas's review, it definitely is happening in hockey. So, uh, not a great thing for fans, I think. I, I liked 90s basketball. I liked games 99 to 90, right? I liked having to fight for it. And, and we don't see that anymore. We see, you know, 140 to 100 in NBA games.
0: What a shame. Right. I'm thinking back when we talk about this Miami Heat versus New York Knicks back in the years past with Van Gundy grabbing on to the ankle of whoever Alonzo Mourning or whoever it was. Imagine if those games were being played nowadays. Would, Would the younger generation in this country
1: like to watch that stuff or no? You, you, you gotta think like everybody thinks points are more fun and points are more fun and when it comes to football that can kind of be true especially with the fantasy leagues out there but I, I really like physical basketball right like nothing's better than a 90 to 93 NBA game where guys are just battling for every point out there I love the way Jordan came up right like where he's just getting thrown on the ground every time he drove to the hoop and like you said those old series my heat and next like I just love that kind of stuff it was it was great
0: there's no doubt about it. I wonder, though, if this younger generation would even like it. I got a story for you. Last week, I went to my son's talent show at his school. He's five years old. Him and a friend did a presentation on basketball, and it was very cool. In front of their entire school, there's probably like 150 kids watching. Well, it was part of this talent show. There were like three or four other acts out of the total 30 that took place. Three or four of them were Taylor Swift songs being sung Or lip-synced and dancing to. And what I'm telling you people out there is, when the Taylor Swift songs came on, you would not believe the reaction from the crowd that I saw. Like, the kids all started bebopping in their seats, their chairs. You could hear some singing. It was a totally different vibe. And I'm like, wow. These kids all love the Taylor Swift songs. And it's just like, they're kind of all... Being, I don't want to say brainwashed, because I don't have a problem with Taylor Swift's messaging. In fact, I kind of like her. I I, I like her songs. They're definitely catchy. Heck, I've karaoke sung a few of them uh, myself in past, and I think I'm pretty darn good at it. But I like it. They're fun. It's just that, man, this younger generation, to, to go with the soft piece... You're missing out, dude. The NBA now stinks compared to what it was 10 to 20 years ago.
1: I mean, what that sounds like, Slim, is you really put your kid at a disadvantage. I mean, you're throwing him into a talent show, going against three kids or all playing Taylor Swift music. That's like you know throwing your kid in uh, as the backup point guard and having the ball stolen from him five times in a row, and you're like, oh, boy, what did I do to my kid? He ain't going to win no uh, it's Taylor Swift contest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, There we go. That's some interesting insight. Let's
1: give some interesting insight to the people
0: – That are tuning in to hear your thoughts and predictions on the Sunday football game here known as the Super Bowl. We got Kansas City against San Francisco. People that are just tuning in for the first time. The Pistol, my man who's in studio today, has uh, proven himself not only during the last couple months here as a participant on the show, The Sports Machine with Slim, but throughout his entire life, since I've known him since college, as a man who has a very difficult time picking winners on anything to do with gambling. I would just tell you, the opposite is uh, batting a healthy percentage, like I'm talking over 750 percentage win clip. Seven and a half out of every ten bets made by this man. Is losing, so I am excited and thrilled to have you in studio to hear what you want to play this weekend.
1: Yeah, this is the uh, pistol exclusive here on the Sports <laughs> Machine with Slim. And remember, you're going to be want to, wanting to bet the inverse pistol, that's what we call it. Uh, oh, wait
0: a minute. If people are betting the inverse pistol, is this guy? I don't want to mess with what's going on. The karma stuff here. Maybe I'm putting too much pressure on you. Just don't worry about what people should be doing. You just tell me what you're doing. I mean, are you actually going to be making any of the plays, or are you just advising people today? Because if you're just advising, this thing could get thrown totally 180 degrees in the other direction.
1: Oh, so. This is as close to the guarantee as I can get this weekend, <laughs> All right. and we know how that went with my uh, annual guarantee. So that was MMA, uh, right? It was the UFC
0: a yeah. few weeks ago, he gave us a couple of guarantees that were uh, plus four hundred
1: <laughs> on the other side that won. Go yeah, ahead. so so I I couldn't believe when the line opened and San Francisco was favored. That's a shocking thing to me, and I think the line has only gone up. Right, so at this point, uh, I thought to myself, Kansas City has the second ranked defense in all of football. They have, I would say, they have the coaching edge, Andy Reid over uh, Kyle Shanahan. Yes. And they also have potentially the greatest quarterback of all time. Mm -hmm. Potentially. Mm -hmm. And on his way to being
0: that. Halfway, so, halfway. Some people might still say Tom Brady is twice the man that Patrick Mahomes ever
1: will be, but uh, right. go ahead. We won't get into that discussion today. But I will say that those are hugely monumental things that favor one team over the other. I, I love Kansas City, uh, betting them. I, I definitely am going to bet Kansas City money line, and uh, I think I think they're, you know. I think they're, in my mind, they're a heavy favorite. I I expect them to win easily. I also think, you know, just do the eye test. Do you really, did you really think that San Francisco looked that good? I mean, they were down by 17 to Detroit. They did, couldn't really put pressure on Goff. Could you imagine Patrick Mahomes sitting back there like Goff was? Do you think he, I think he's going to tear you up. I don't care who his receivers are. He could have me out there as a receiver. A lot, of the, a lot of the reasons that we don't like Kansas City is their regular season wasn't great and their receivers didn't look awesome. But are we really going to say don't bet Kansas City because their wide receiver three is not that good?
0: Valdez Scandling, who everybody's been on all over for, for the drops all year long, he made the biggest catch of the season for Kansas City in their last game. When it was third and 14 or whatever to seal the victory... He made the tough catch that he's been dropping all year long. You got to feel good if you're him, and you got to feel good if you're Mahomes to be like, all right, now I got another guy, maybe I can trust it. At least kind of resets the map. You know, if you got the etch-a-sketch where you got all the stuff out there where you just kind of shook it, and now all the
1: writing is off of it, it's a clear slate again. I'll take a shot thrown to him deep. Could you imagine sitting out in the huddle as Travis Kelsey, and they're like, okay, guys. We're going deep to valdez Scanling to win it all. <laughs> you don't right. look at Everybody must have looked exactly. at me and go, what are you talking about? But no, I bet every guy in that huddle was like, let's do it. Game on. Let's clap and let's get set up. It's Next bonding thing
0: that, for the rest of the season, 100%. If you're in that huddle, you're absolutely right. This dude came through and everybody in that huddle is like, nice, dude. You just secured the win for us. That's total confidence building for the entire squad. You're absolutely right.
1: So... What do we think about Brock Purdy now? I is, think he stinks. Is Brock Purdy going to give us a couple INTs? Can he manage? Can he at least manage the game and get the ball to Debo, get the ball to CMC, get the ball to IUK? Because if he can, that 49ers offense can get rolling. They can get moving. And let's say that their defense doesn't step up. Maybe the offense steps up and just keeps it close.
0: This is the next generation uh, insight you're looking for. Here's the deal with Brock Purdy. And let's just go back four weeks, okay? Week 16 of the regular season, they – I don't remember what he did. Let's go to week 17 of the regular (laughs) season. He didn't play because they had number one seed overall wrapped up. Then they got the first week by, so that's two weeks. Then he comes back. The next week plays Green Bay. Didn't look very good. San Francisco didn't look good at all. Then the next week they play in Detroit. Detroit looked much better than San Francisco, if you ask me. I just felt – if you were going to say who was the better team in that game – If you said Fran, I just don't understand how you could possibly think that. And Brock Purdy continually throws passes that get batted down at the line of scrimmage. He's not tall enough to be able to see all angles of the field. And people discount this for Tom Brady and why he was so great during his career. He's like 6'5". The dude's tall. You can see everything, all angles. You can see in the middle of the field you can see to the outside when that pass rush is coming at you. Brock Purdy cannot. If you look at that game plan against Detroit, they're trying to minimize his usage, they're trying to do handoffs, they're trying to do quick passes to the outside, utilize Debo Samuel in the running game. I don't think, if you're trusting Brock Purdy to drop back and pick that team apart, I don't see how he's gonna be able to do it, Pistol.
1: I'm with you, I'm with you. I don't like Brock Purdy this weekend at all. Well, I think I like to hear this insight from you because I love me some San Francisco 49ers in this
0: game, everybody. Let's stay tuned. We got some callers coming up here on the Sports Machine with Slim. You're going to want to hear from WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. This is New HampshireTalkRadio.com. Everybody, the sports machine was slim. I know the pistol said earlier some reasons why Kansas City is going to win. Some of the coaching advantage, greatest player of all time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One storyline I did want to bring up to people. San Francisco, of course, lost to Kansas City in the Super Bowl February 2020. Uh, 31-20. to Shortly after that game, just a couple months afterwards, just so people know, Trent Williams, who's the starting left tackle for San Francisco now, he got traded to San Fran back then uh, during the draft for a third round and fifth round draft pick. And the reason why it was so... I guess cheap as far as compensation because Trent Williams had been like an all-pro for like six, seven, eight years, something like that during his first 10 years in the league when he was on Washington. Well, he had a cancerous growth discovered on his scalp that had to be removed. And while he was with Washington, they had originally diagnosed him, I guess, and said like, oh no, that's not dangerous. And then it came out that it was. And so he got mad at Washington. Well, I saw a clip from him or a quote I wrote down. He said this week, I'm just thanking God every day because this is what you dream of. He's talking about being in the Super Bowl. And I thought that's just a kind of cool, nice story. This dude, he's been in the league 14 years. This is his opportunity to win one. He's one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. This is what you dream of. And uh, Pistol... I like to dream of sports talk callers who are incredible. My brother Dave is on the line before. uh, My brother Dave, what's happening?
3: Not too much. I apologize for my lack of punctuality this morning. Having a real full-time job is very inconvenient to doing these spot appearances on the sports machine, and I am going to have serious words with my boss.
0: At some point, I will uh, see if I can compensate you financially enough so that this could become your full-time job. But before we get to there, I would say the pistol, uh, taking a break from his full-time job, is in studio today. And he has something that he wanted to say to you.
1: Yeah, Brother Dave, I I know you probably heard the Mike Rabel news this week where uh, Mike Rabel didn't get a coaching job because of uh, how intimidating he is uh, in the room when you're in the room. And I know uh, that can be a problem for you when I'm in studio and and you can't show up. So I I understand because I know how people feel about Mike Vrabel and and how you feel around me. It's a little intimidating.
3: Yes, well, my my real first question is because I haven't been able to listen to the first half of the show, was has the pistol at least performed his way out of the job this morning so that the seat next to you, Slim, may actually be open? Because there's no doubt.
0: No. Pistol strong, pistol strong. You you, you bringing a, a top notch game, no, Dave. If I'm if I'm ranking here, uh, I, I'm not prepared to release the full rankings. But you are more than credible. You give us winners. The pistol gives us the opposite of winners. I'm trying to decide which is more of a guarantee.
3: But I do I do find the pistol's take relatively funny because if I was standing next to Mike Rabel, I actually think Mike Rabel might look small.
0: Yeah, Mike Vrabel might be intimidated by my brother Dave. <laughs> right. What would you say to Mike Vrabel if uh, you were to talk to him today and uh, wanted to console him or, or to try and explain to him why he is out of a coaching job for next year?
3: Stay the path, my man. The right job with the right team will open up. You just got to have faith, just like Mr. Trent Williamson.
0: Yeah, it's Trent Williams, yeah, and like uh, Mr. Bell Belichick, too. Bill Belichick, just wait another year, dude, 75, 76. <laughs> How old are you now? Hey, the right job is coming.
3: It is, and it will be for Bill. Listen, this, I, I know there's a lot going on There's always takes out there, people with their opinions. At the end of the day, I, I really think that Belichick was just under contract this year. That's kind of been swept under the rug because it doesn't make for a sexy storyline, but everybody knows he had one more year. And if he was to vacate and go somewhere else, the reality is he was going to give up that $20 million. I don't think he really wanted to, and I think that's what ended up coming into him not getting another coaching job out there.
0: Have you heard that on any other competing uh, sports talk radio show that take you just said?
3: No, I haven't heard
0: that Next generation sports talk radio. That's why the sports machine with Slim is awesome. I told you, we have the best sports talk callers in the country. My brother Dave is just talking something random that makes 1,000 gazillion bazillion percent sense. Doesn't it, Pistol? What he just said, that's probably why
1: Belichick's not coaching. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I did hear this week is, uh, you know, supposedly Atlanta did offer him the job and Belichick said no to that. I kind of question whether that's, True or not, I think Atlanta might not have liked, you know, all of the demands that he had. It's really hard to say. We I, we have no insight into that.
0: Would Bill have had to give up the twenty million, though, that the Pats were going to give him in exactly. more order to take? I'm sure Atlanta wasn't going to pay him twenty million a year, Dave. Right? I mean, that's that's what you're explaining to us. Is there's no way some other organization, after what's happened to the Pats the last four years, <laughs> is going to pay Belichick twenty million if that's what he's getting from the Pats?
3: But if he's interviewing for these jobs, he clearly wants to coach. And if one of them offered him the job, and, and from what it sounds like, you know, the, I mean, we all understand that, that blank was in on him from the very get go, had him right out to his huge you know, whatever your know, boat that you want, whatever you want to call that, a sailboat nice. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but the only reason Belichick wanted to take in the job is because his offer was not going to be more than what he's already getting. Right, and so he just turns that down. And says, that's all right, I can wait one more year, and maybe I'll find an even better destination.
0: Right? Why would Arthur Blank fly him and bring him to his private yacht if he didn't want to hire him? Oh, I just wanted to interview you. It wasn't to meet a quota for interviews or something like that. You have to, you have to. It's mandatory now in the NFL. You have to interview one man over seventy years old.
3: It's not a good story. I'll tell you that if it was, hey, Belichick doesn't want to give up the money, doesn't reflect well on Bill, so of course he's not going to say that. And it's also not a great narrative for the media to push stories out there. I mean, they love this, oh, Belichick is done, and, and the young people don't want to work with him anymore. And I yes. mean, it, really, if you hop onto any of these sports uh, uh, views, you know, uh, sites, internet sites, and you see a, a Belichick story, who doesn't click on it? I mean, everybody clicks on it right now. That's what they're supposed to do. That's why I, I, I believe that that's why it has to come out.
1: So Dave, how, what do you think about uh, this weekend's game? Uh, you like in San Francisco and Brock Purdy, you in Kansas City and, and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, where are you leaning on this one?
3: I, I have taken two weeks. I've done my homework. I really believe that San Francisco's defense is built to stop the Kansas City offense. I think they're, they're fast. I think they get after the quarterback. I think their linebackers are, are quick and they hit hard So Patrick Mahomes is not going to have a lot of success leaving the pocket. And I think that that's where Mahomes is his most dangerous. I think he is the best quarterback in the league at using his legs. I know people love Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying he's a better running back than Lamar. I'm saying he's better at buying time with his legs, finding a way to buy two extra seconds in that pocket to find a receiver. And I just don't think that Warner or Greenlaw are going to allow that to happen in this game. I think this is very reminiscent of the Tampa Bay game that Kansas City got beat up in a couple years back. I think San Francisco holds them to 13 points or less. I, I like San Francisco in a low-scoring game, maybe 20-10, to 20-7, to 7, something along those lines.
0: During the regular season, Dave, me and you, as the season went on, came to the conclusion that the AFC was the better conference. Now, from your take, you're kind of switching that take, I guess?
3: Yeah, it's not that I think that... I still think the AFC is the better conference, but that said, there are some teams that are just mismatches. Right? you know, Kansas City has won only because of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is really how great Patrick Mahomes is. is he's able to just go through a bunch of these teams in the AFC because their quarterbacks, <laughs> you know, for 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 lack of a better term, they wet themselves when it comes to when it comes to the, the make a make a play time. I mean, there's no no way you're going to convince me that if Baltimore played Kansas City ten times this year, that Baltimore would not have won nine of them. They would have. It was a much better team. But in a, in a make-or-break situation, Lamar Jackson, and he's done this throughout his career, he comes up short in a big time. Josh Allen has been pretty good, but his coach has come up short time <laughs> and time again, and his coach did it again this year. So they've taken advantage of the teams that were in front of them. They've they game-planned, and they played to the mismatches, and it was successful for them. I just think that Stanford built and They remember what happened four years ago. They built their team. To be able to play against Patrick Mahomes if they get there, which they did, and I think that this is where their defense shines through.
1: You know what? You know one of the things you see is we we, we always put a lot on the quarterback with the wins and losses, right? But Zay Flowers fumbled at the one yard line, right, where the potential touchdown mm-hmm. for Baltimore, and Baltimore's in that game if he gets in the end zone. We had, uh, you know, fourth down for Detroit Lions, a receiver just drops the ball, right. Yet yeah, there we go. To close out the game, Patrick Mahomes launches a 40 yarder to Valdez Scanling who's dropped 50 balls, it feels like, this season. <laughs> and, he ma- and he makes the catch. And it just like is it, the Chiefs team is amazing. And I feel like if I bet the Chiefs this weekend, and they end up losing, I can go to bed happy saying, I, I just bet on the greatest player of all time, and, and like, you know, I'm not, I, 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 oh, well, I lost, right?
0: My brother I, Dave, we're going to text the pistol at Sunday about 11 o'clock at night and say, I hope you can go to bed happy.
3: <laughs> the only difference between Belda scantling making that catch and the other guys not is uh, Belda scantling just winning. And some guys are front runners. Some guys make the plays when they're winning and they don't when they're losing. That's, that's all I'll say about Valdez.
0: Yeah. Incredible sports talk caller inside, everybody. Is my brother Dave a, a 10-year NFL veteran? No, he never played in the NFL. Could he have? Maybe with the right coaching and tutelage. but For now, he's on our show as one of the greatest sports talk callers in the United States of America. This is the Sports Machine with Slim WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM, Manchester, HTalkRadio.com. good time in studio today with the pistol. My brother Dave, is still on the line. I wonder if he's still on the line out there. I love the insight I get from him. If he's there, i like to hear from him. If not,
1: i like to hear from the pistol too. The pistol? Yeah. How about the coaches? Uh, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, going against each other, both I think great coaches, top 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 five in the league probably. And Shanahan's looking for redemption, right? He's been part of part of two of the biggest blown leads in Super Bowl history, uh, the twenty eight three comeback that the Patriots had on the Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons, where he was offensive coordinator. And uh, you know he was up twenty to ten in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, ended up losing that game, uh, and. Then you got Andy Reid on the other side. He's won two Super Bowls, going for three. There's only four coaches that have won three or more Super Bowls. Belichick, Chuck Knoll, Joe Gibbs, Bill Walsh. So Andy Reid's got history on the line. I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer, but this puts him in like exclusive company. And you got Kyle Shanahan uh, just trying to get his first and get some redemption. Who do you like, Slim? I like
0: Kyle Shanahan. How could I possibly say that? No idea. I mean, this is a guy who was the offensive coordinator for Atlanta when the Patriots were losing 28-3, to and Atlanta allowed us to come back. This is the guy that dropped Matt Ryan back when he got sacked by Hightower when they should have just been running the ball to run the clock out. So it's okay. Is Kyle Shanahan a smart in-game adjustment type of coach? As i watched them play Detroit, the defensive alignment... For San Francisco, I know Steve Wilkes is the defensive coordinator, so ultimately he's responsible for calling the plays, but man, I didn't think San Fran made any adjustments to what Detroit was doing in that game. Detroit got their speed guys out in space and just outran the linebackers for San Fran. So why would I think Shanahan's going to win this one? I just think it's time. I think it's time for Trent Williams to win a Super Bowl. I think that... It's time for Christian McCaffrey. The great story of him coming back to Northern Cal after graduating from Stanford and that trade last year from Carolina. There's a lot of reasons why I just think it's
1: San Francisco's time. Do you think is it? Do you think it's true? Is there a coaching advantage? Is is it an advantage to have Andy Reid over Kyle Shanahan?
0: It's not just Andy Reid. Steve Spagnol is also on the defensive side of things for Kansas City. He's won three championships as a defensive coordinator, I guess. If he wins the fourth, that sets a record for most Super Bowls by a coordinator. So when you have winners, I got news for you, Pistol. Winners win. Losers don't win. Which is B-Cal? B-Cal is a winner, and he is one of our most prized Sports Talk callers. Thanks for calling in to the Super Bowl preview show,
4: B-Cal. What's going on, Slim? I heard you say uh, you, you, you're rolling with the 49ers. Is that what we're hearing?
0: That's what I'm hearing. Do you also hear that uh, the pistol is rolling with Kansas City? I think that's a good thing in my favor.
4: <laughs> well, if you remember, uh, I do. T- I called a few weeks ago, and um, I, I, pre- I predicted San Fran would, would win the Super Bowl a few weeks ago. I also, uh, I also predicted one fight winner that night, and you said I had a terrible night, but I, I think I was mixed in with a bunch of chumps that you had on the radio that day, and not me.
0: I don't remember. Didn't you say that Buena Silva
4: lady was going to win? I had win nothing to do was... with it. The only thing I said was, and knew. If you go back and listen, I said there'd be a new champion that night. DuPlessis or I didn't agree with at all.
0: Yeah, DuPlessis. Okay, all right. so yeah, you're coming in, you're clearing your path, you're letting everybody know how awesome you are. What do you got to bring for us here this weekend? What do you got for today's show?
4: Well, I do have something interesting. I do think San Fran's going to win, but I'm definitely rooting for Kansas City if that makes any sense to anybody out there. Um, <laughs> From a betting a standpoint, ago, it doesn't. <laughs> well, I'll tell you my quick little story because I think I, I gave you a little bit of it last night, a couple weeks ago. I was thinking about the MVP award, and it was really your brother. I talked to your brother before they played Buffalo, and I said, who do you like in the game? I ran into him in Hannaford, and he said, I like um, Buffalo because I'm sick of Kansas City. <laughs> And that's like pretty much everybody's narrative yes. is that they're sick of Patrick Mahomes, they're sick of Kansas City. Well, it's the same thing with the Patriots, if you remember. If you were right back in time, and when Tom Brady started Super Bowl, had an excellent game, but he didn't win MVP that game. Because I think the narrative was people were just sick of Tom Brady winning. And I feel like it's the same way with Pat Mahomes. So if Pat Mahomes wins, if Kansas City wins, I don't think he wins the MVP. I think people are, are sick of the Mahomes thing. And I just think it's, it's Travis Kelsey who wins it, my guess.
0: What are the odds on that? Because I will say my brother Dave called in earlier this week and said 100% if Kansas City wins the game, Patrick Mahomes is winning the MVP.
4: Well, that's the, he can think that all he wants. I mean, does his brother know how the voting goes for the MVP? I,
0: I don't. I don't know if my brother Dave does either, honestly.
4: I, don't, I haven't talked to one person that actually knows how it works. <laughs> do I you do. know? Do you know how so, it works? <laughs> yeah. So it, usually it's the NFL writers that, that decide who wins the MVP. But this year they're doing something different. It's 80% of the votes from the NFL writers are going to decide the MVP, but 20% from the fans are going to decide who's the MVP. It's the first time they've ever done this. Now, if Kansas City wins, and, you know, I just look at it like we've already heard the narrative with we're all kind of sick of Mahomes. Well, now we have another another thing going on here with Taylor Swift has a social media thing where if yes. if the fans are going to vote for the MVP... and. Kansas City wins, I feel like they're going to they're gonna vote for Travis Kelsey. I feel and like the machine's
0: not. already set up, BKAL. I would tell you right now, that's already been thought of in advance here by Taylor Swift's people, because it's a bigger story for her career if she's dating the Super Bowl MVP. So th- yep. there's financial incentivization for her entourage to have people lined up to say, hey, here's how you're going to be able to vote, and even if it's an automatic or uh, artificial intelligence generated, AI, phone calls or emails or whatever it is to vote on this thing, I would predict that Kelsey is going to get slammed like 90-something percent of the vote for that 20% if Kansas City wins. And he has a good game obviously. He has to have a good game too.
4: Right. And people will say that. And but I say I challenge the people on this that, hey well, if you gave the MVP when they played Baltimore last week, who was it? Was it was it Pat Mahomes? Was it Travis Kelsey?
0: Yeah, Kelsey had 11 catches on 11 pass attempts, and what did he have? 140 yards or some. So I mean, who was the best, most valuable player? I would say it was
4: Kelsey. It wasn't even close. If you went back and looked at the Baltimore game, I mean, the Buffalo game was very similar. Where. He would have won the MVP in that game too. Listen, I don't know. It's a hunch play more than anything. You know, I actually bet it before they played Baltimore, and I got him at twenty-five to one. So I have a really good ticket. He's twelve Trevor to Kelsey, one.
0: So. He's twelve to one right now. Just so you know. So Patrick I tell everybody I've told the story too. I
4: said twelve to one is a good bet. <laughs> I still bet it at twelve to one.
0: <laughs> Pistol, what do you think here? Because you do like Kansas City. Who would you pick as your game MVP?
1: Uh, I lo- I like what Calorie's saying. I think. Uh, one if, if he's picking Kelsey as MVP, then that kind of tells me that he's picking Kansas City to win the game. Am I right, B-Cal? That's what we're hoping for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you said earlier you think San Francisco's going to win, so now I'm all confused.
4: Well, listen, when I called a few weeks ago, I said that betting San Francisco at plus the 175 was a really good bet. There's a difference between—it doesn't mean I have to go out and bet— to think they're going win. I'm more hoping that Kansas... And there's a narrative for this for it, for it to happen. There's stats out there. If you look at Tom Brady's third Super Bowl, he was 23 for 33, for 263 yards and two touchdowns, with no pick. And he didn't win the MVP. And I would argue that those stats were better than his first two Super Bowl appearances. But I think people were just sick of Tom Brady winning. They gave it to Deion Branch. 10 catches, 133 yards, zero touchdowns. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't even think Kelsey, I don't even think Kelsey needs to be that good to win. Honestly.
1: Yeah, like you said, the Taylor Swift thing I think is a really good good insight for uh, picking him. What do you think about rushing yards? Like I, I kind of like a lot of the prop bets on the rushing yards, just because I feel like it's going to be a heavy rushing game, and I think
4: Pacheco- I love the under. The bet, the bet, the bet. <laughs> when you say who's going to win, like obviously my roof can't. my bet betting the under. I think that's the play.
0: My brother so, Dave nope. said the under was his best play early this week. You guys have talked me onto that. The sports machine was slim. The pistols coming in with the under. We're all firing on the under this weekend. Pistol,
4: right? Hey, can I say? Can I tell you one quick thing? I heard this this morning, and I thought it was very, very interesting. Every single legal state that has sports gambling, the the odds have shifted where they, they give you, they tell you what they're betting. Every single state has bet is, is, is very heavy on the over for the game, except for one state. Does anybody know what state that is? New Hampshire? No. <laughs> Massachusetts? No. Vegas? Kansas.
1: Oh, can't They realize the defense, right? Because I bet, I bet a lot of them bet the under in the Baltimore well, well, game listen. too.
0: Isn't Kansas City in Missouri? Though there's two Kansas Cities, isn't there? Isn't this Kansas City in Missouri? I
4: don't know. I'm just going by the narrative what they said. it's right, they act right, like it where, it where they were from, and that that the team, the people that follow the team, know that they won these games because of defense, not because of Patrick Mahomes.
1: But mm-hmm. let's just say here on the Sports Machine, we're not uh, ge- we're not uh, experts in geography. Yeah, we're all sports. The story.
4: <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
0: My expert sports talk callers are good about sports, not geography, people. It's not geography. It's seven minutes and a half. Seven's the key number here. Come on. All right, we've only got a couple minutes. That was a pretty good laugh. Anybody that was listening to the log, vcal when you said the Kansas thing, and I am pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they're in Missouri
4: with this, so I'm not 100%. All right, um, well, maybe, it's, maybe it was Kansas City they referred referring to. I don't I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is that the, the only the state winter. that people were betting were the people that know how good Kansas City's defense
0: actually is. The only thing that matters it's, is it's coming under. It,
1: all that matters is there's money in your pocket to be had, and right. B Cal's leading you to it. <laughs> <laughs> None of these sports matters are getting paid for their knowledge and geography.
0: There <laughs> <laughs> we go, everybody. Uh, before we head out, B Cal, thanks for the call, man. Any last words? Nope, I just, uh,
4: it's nice to hear uh, uh, somebody else, Crystal, on the, on the radio. I'm glad he came in today. Um, I don't know how you thought about that fantasy weapon, but I'm glad you're still doing good. (laughs) Pistol, thanks
0: for coming in. What's your last word?
1: Oh, that was a painful loss. Painful loss.
0: The under people. He's getting ready for another painful loss with Kansas City on Sunday. San Francisco 49ers will be winning this game. You've heard it here on the Sports Machine with Slim. WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and htalkradio.com.